0: weekdays from noon to one.
1: Prior to the Ecuador earthquake, there were two separate earthquakes in Japan, one on Thursday and one on Saturday. So those of us who are not in the know automatically think maybe they're connected. Maybe one part of the world rumbles and then the other part of the world rumbles. Well... It makes you wonder if they are connected. And we have gone to another expert to find out about this and also about how susceptible Canada is to being affected by an earthquake. Dr. John Clegg is one of Canada's leading authorities in environmental earth sciences. He's a professor at Simon Simon Fraser University in Burnaby, B.C., and he is on the line with us now. Dr. Clegg, are the Ecuador and Japan earthquakes related?
2: You know, I don't think so. Uh, they are large earthquakes, um, especially the one in Ecuador, uh, but they affect relatively small areas on the surface of the planet. And um, Ecuador and Japan are something of the order of 15,000 kilometers apart. They're halfway around the world, almost. And... uh, Uh, I wouldn't expect uh, earthquakes of that size to be related unless they were close to one another and they are so distant that it's unlikely that there's a link.
1: I'm reading about something called remote triggering. So this kind of thing can happen, but you're suggesting the areas would have to be much closer.
2: Oh, yes, exactly. And we do know that uh, within a specific region that one earthquake can trigger another. In fact, that's what aftershocks are really all about um after both of these earthquakes uh we've had a series of uh damaging aftershocks as a matter of fact there was one uh just today that had a magnitude of 5 in Ecuador so um it, on a small scale uh, in a single region uh, you do get these links between earthquakes.
1: I guess what these two areas do have in common is that they both belong to this ring of fire, which is where the majority of earthquakes take place. Can you tell us about that?
2: Yes, it's uh, it's a zone that extends around the boundary of uh, the Pacific Ocean, um, both the North Pacific and uh, part of the South Pacific. And it is a uh, band where... Uh, sp- Continental plates or plates that form the outer shell of the Earth are colliding with one another. So um, if we look at the entire surface of the Earth, it's a mosaic of uh, fragments, uh, thin, 20, 30, 40 kilometer thick Um, fragments of crust that are moving with respect to one another and this particular zone is uh, an area where those collisions are occurring and it is uh, the pacific ring of fire is the area where most not all but uh, a large majority of earthquakes occur and also volcanic eruptions too
1: Tell us or put in perspective for us how strong this earthquake in Ecuador was.
2: It had a magnitude of uh, 7.8. So we get an earthquake of that size roughly once a year, somewhere on Earth, maybe a little more frequently than that. Um, but it is very damaging, it involves uh, slip of uh, large blocks of the Earth's crust along a fault. In this case, it's what we call a subduction fault um, that uh, break the crust over a distance of about 100 or 200 kilometers uh, and a width of maybe 50 kilometers. So when you shift uh, blocks of the Earth's crust uh, like that, it releases a huge amount of energy. Um, this is a much, much smaller earthquake than the devastating earthquake that hit Japan some years ago, but it certainly is is a big one. It's uh, obvious from the damage that we've seen and also from the loss of life and injury.
1: Mm-hmm. And the Japanese quakes that happened in recent days, those are far less in, in, in terms of their power.
2: Yes, much, much less, but... Uh, Unfortunately, it's still large enough to uh, cause loss of life. The reason being is that the Japanese earthquakes occurred very close to populated areas, so When you have the energy released from the epicenter, the the source of an earthquake, it uh, doesn't diminish very much by the time it reaches a population center. Those those earthquakes are also quite shallow. They occur at shallow depths below the Earth's surface, um, whereas the Ecuador earthquake is a much deeper earthquake
1: what do experts like yourself and we're speaking with dr. John Clegg at Simon Fraser University in Burnaby British Columbia what do experts like yourself take from the events in Ecuador and even in Japan in recent days is there do you use that information now to foretell what might happen in the future
2: yeah we learn from every earthquake um, you know both of the sets of earthquakes uh, tell us something um, the smaller earthquakes in Japan are earthquakes that we can expect expect to see in the Pacific Northwest of the U.S. and Southwest B.C., um, probably sometime over periods of uh, decades, a few decades at most. Um, So we can look at the damage from that earthquake and learn a lot about how to design buildings or how to properly plan. Um, Not that we're going to get exactly the same earthquake uh, on the West Coast, but we can expect something like that to occur. And then the Ecuador earthquake, the much larger earthquake, is uh, similar to what we call the big one in British Columbia. It is the uh, magnitude eight or nine earthquake that occurs at our subduction zone, and we are located along the Pacific Ring of Fire. We're in the same uh, alley of earthquakes and volcanic volcanic eruptions and we know from uh, geophysical and geologic evidence that we can get those types of earthquakes so again we can look at the damage pattern from that earthquake and from other very very large subduction zone earthquakes that have occurred um, in recent decades and, and plan accordingly so we do learn something However, they're very idiosyncratic. Each of those earthquakes is uh, unique in some way, so we can't expect exactly the same effects in B.C. that we would in Ecuador.
1: So is the British Columbia area most susceptible when we talk about Canada's geography as uh, where an earthquake could take place and, and potentially a very large one?
2: We certainly um, hold the honor, if you will, of yeah. having the by far the largest earthquakes in Canada, and I would say also uh, the largest number of earthquakes. However, there is a zone in central Canada, in uh, particularly in uh, southern Ontario and southern Quebec, extending from. Uh, Cornwall in Ontario, uh, including Ottawa, uh, uh Montreal, these are places where we could see a damaging earthquake, um, not huge, it probably would be of the order of magnitude 6, but an earthquake of that size is still damaging if the epicenter is close to an urban area. So uh, we have a second hotspot in Canada, and that's in central Canada. Surprisingly, most people aren't aware of that.
1: No, are we due? Is any area of Canada <laughs> due for an earthquake?
2: Well, uh, we think we're due on the west coast. Yeah, uh, and earthquakes are fewer in central Canada, but you know, occasionally you do you do experience one, particularly people living in Ottawa uh, or Montreal. Uh, Quebec City, uh, they have experienced small earthquakes. They've felt them. And there have been historically earthquakes up to about magnitude 6. There was one near Chicoutimi in the 1980s that caused quite a bit of damage. They are uh, rarer, I would say. Uh, one issue is that, uh, you know, you have a old particularly in places like Ottawa and Montreal, you have old building stock uh, that maybe not as well designed to uh, deal with seismic shaking. So that's a bit of a concern, particularly with brick or masonry buildings that were built a long time ago.
1: Well, we certainly appreciate your expertise on a day like today when we are reacting to an international event in Ecuador. And thank you so much
0: for your time. My pleasure, Jane. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Radio.